Hello, PodFam, and hello, Rachel. How are you? I am good, Laura. I'm feeling a little stir-crazy or just, I don't know, crazy in general. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay, but you know, now that you mention it, it's been a lockdown period for quite a while, and I think we're yeah. getting out on Monday, so you know, I'm, oh getting, I'm getting antsy. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah, and by I want to go, I mean I'm just going to maybe go to the gym. Yeah, I'm just going to leave the house, you know. We had a we had a date last night to the grocery store. Oh. Um very oh. Ex- very exciting times because we were just like, "Oh yeah, like let's go out on a date together." And we're like, "Oh, we can't even go to a restaurant. Okay, let's go to the grocery store." That's so cute. Yeah. So, our standards are very low at the moment. Yeah. We've we've planned our Valentine's Day date. Oh, that's so cute. And we're going skating oh yeah That's so sweet. it'll be fun i know the the first first year of the relationship so innocent and oh my gosh yeah you, you do such cute things together and then like you know by the seventh or eighth you're like ah oh, here you are again <laughs> <laughs> do i want to talk to you today <laughs> i'm not sure this person keeps waking up next to me <laughs> <laughs> don't worry just I have- kidding just kidding i love him <laughs> I I have those days sometimes. Yeah. I don't think it matters how long you've been in a relationship. As soon as you live together, you're like, ah, you're still here. Yeah. Remember like when before you would live with them and you would like have a sleepover? Yes. And you were like, oh my God, you need to cuddle me the whole night. If you're not cuddling me, I'm offended. There are literally some nights where I'm just like, no. Do not touch me. Like do not touch me. It's like you put a single finger on me. I will fight. Yeah. So I don't know. I just find it funny. But I guess that's just, you know, it's space. You need space. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you want to cuddle again. So it's fine. Yeah. yeah. It just depends. Depends on the day and the hour. Yeah. So how's work? How you feeling? Uh, it's busy right now. I don't want to talk about work anymore. I'm tired of work. <laughs> We're talking about it tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's a yeah. different kind. I thought you meant like my okay. work day, which is like I'm so over my work day uh, at the moment. Like I, I could use a weekend and a long one at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're actually not that far away from the next long weekend. I think it's three weeks. It's like a month. Don't say that. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm serious about okay. that one. Yeah, don't get your okay. hopes up yet. We we have a long way to go and we're in like the darkest and coldest nights of winter, I feel like. Yeah. But at least the sun is starting to set a tiny bit later. It's now at 5.30. That's true. This is improvement yeah. from- uh, It is an improvement. From December, that's for sure. And to warm you up this evening, what are you drinking? Well, I'm going through my rotation again because the tea order that I put in a few weeks ago hasn't come in quite yet, but I'm having my maple cinnamon waffles tea because it is delicious and I wanted something a little sweet. What are you having? Oh, well, we almost had a tea crisis. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um, I had it in my head that I really wanted my cinnamon hearts puer tea, which I love, and I knew the bag was getting light. But I'm like, mm-hmm. there is definitely a serving or two left in this bag. Mm-hmm. And as I get my little like single serve uh, tea infuser, there's like barely enough to make a cup of tea. So I still made the the tea. There was enough to like get a very small cup steeped. But mm-hmm. that is the end of the cinnamon hearts. And uh, it's okay. I have lots of other tea, but you know, that's one of my favorites. So I always get a little nervous when it's not in stock. I don't have a backup bag at the moment, so I might have it's to get another one. It's not in stock one. at all? 
Well, it's not in stock in my pantry. Sorry, I should clarify okay. that one. It's not in stock in the pantry at the moment. So I will have to uh, fix that situation. I guess so. I guess we have to put in another order. I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. are we going to be talking about this evening? We are going to be discussing our experiences with personal and professional development. Yes. Woo! <laughs> so exciting. So exciting. <laughs> um, I actually love this kind of stuff. I think it might have been my yeah. idea to like talk about this this evening. And um, a lot of what we're going to be touching base on is continuing education. Um, yes. I, for one, I'm a firm believer that no matter how old you are, you should always be learning and striving to do new things just to help you mm-hmm. grow. You know, even if it's not something that is for your career, um, it's just good to mm-hmm. be a beginner again and learn something new and just like, you know, there's so many benefits to it. Oh, there definitely is. And I don't know, when I was thinking about the personal development in itself, I was like, geez, there's a lot of things that you can consider personal development. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't have to be a classic course or, you know, um, what's that website? Skillshare or anything like that. Like it can just be taking one little class or just really trying something new that you're not familiar with. Um, So that's kind of like my definition of personal development. Do you have anything to add on to that? Not really. I think that kind of covered it. I'll toss out some examples of what either one could be before we get started. So, you know, for professional development, I think we're all pretty accustomed to that. So it's anything from schooling, going after some certifications, going to conferences. I love a good conference if it's interesting. Where for personal, I like to think of that as like, you know, exploring your hobbies more deeply because you can actually get some certifications for those hobbies which I know you're going to touch on later. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, setting goals in different aspects of your personal life that you want to improve in, such as health and fitness. So maybe you have, you know, set a yoga challenge for yourself. And my personal favorite is therapy. Oh, that is – yeah. Yeah, actually, I never really even thought about therapy being something. But, yes, that is personal development. You're not going to leave with, Mm -hmm. like, a little certificate at the end of it. But – you're going to leave with more peace of mind and a better understanding of yourself and other people, which is exactly. like the height of what you're trying to dis- to achieve as a person. Exactly. So a uh, big proponent of uh, therapy over here if you want to develop yourself emotionally and yes. mentally. Very yes. important. So where should we start? Do you want to start with personal or professional? Huh. Well, on my notes, I have personal first. So. Well, Let's keep rolling with personal then. Um, Beautiful. So how about you start? I'm kind of curious to see what was like your first uh, personal development that you would say that you undertook? I'm not going to lie. When I actually think back into my life, I was having a difficult time (laughs) coming up with it. (laughs) Because I don't know. Like I feel like I've done a lot. Yes. In my life that I don't like it's hard for me to like label something as personal development as opposed to just me growing up. Yeah. You know, so like maybe travel I would constitute under there, but there is one huge one that sticks out for me that didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to, but I think it was it two years ago now that I was studying for the LSAT. Um, I think Yes, it was. It was. Wow. Yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah. And when I think about that, uh, just because I didn't wind up going to law school and you know that kind of was a choice was 
We'll get to it later, but the cons of going started to outweigh the pros. Um, but I really think of my experience with the LSAT as a very um, impressive personal undertaking for me because when I was in university, I objectively went to a fairly difficult school and I did finance at that school. So, you know, that for somebody who did really well in high school, when you get your first 65, it really gives you a kick down a hill. Yes. Yes. So I think I lost my confidence a bit because, um, you know, again, going back to school, one of those things uh, that happens in university is they also put you on a curve where, you know, during second year, they only want their second year students to get between like a 70 and 80 mm-hmm. percent. So I, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I think that's an episode for another day. <laughs> um, but when I started this test, I found that when I was in university, I got into this habit of if something was hard or too hard to a point where I couldn't figure out in a day, I would just give up. Right. 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 Because I really had lost my confidence in it. And then when I took this on, I definitely felt that when I first started was that, you know, it was going well for the first few chapters of the trainer that I was studying and then it got harder and harder. And I was just like, oh, I don't I don't know if I could do this. And I was like, no, we set out to do this and this is the mark that we want to get. So let's go get it. Yeah. And I was very impressed with myself. I'm pretty sure I sacrificed almost everything in my personal life to make this happen over the course of five months to get the mark that I wanted. So like I would work all day and then I would study all night and all weekend And there was a period of time where I studied all day and all night for like a month long period. I, you know, and this was probably the first time that I invested a large sum of money into something myself. Yeah, because on top of just studying for the LSATs, you were taking an actual like, are they called prep courses? Yes. So I I took a prep course and it was like $1,600. For someone who is fresh out of university and working like their first job that's not very lucrative um that is a big chunk of money like that's almost a I think that's that's pretty much like a whole month's salary (laughs) to to some yeah Yeah, it, it pretty much was one month's salary and you know that was a big undertaking for me because I didn't ask my family for support like I did it all myself obviously I had some emotional support to make sure that I didn't like you know, lose my mind, (laughs) combust. But, you know, I remember on the um, training or the course website, they would ask you to set like what score you're aiming for. Mm -hmm. So I chose like the 165, which is a, uh, I think it's like 92nd percentile. Okay. Or it was on uh, the test that I did at least. And I was like, okay, this is my ideal score that I think I can get considering everything else I have to balance in my life. And it was like my North Star kind of thing. And I got it. Mm -hmm. I got that score. And I was really, really impressed with myself where it was a moment where I was like, oh, if I set my mind to something like this, I can do it. And I can do it well. And that definitely helped me get my confidence back and reminded me that I was smart. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And a good thinker. Yes. Yeah. So – that was definitely a good 
time for me. And I think that that uh, was a big turning point in my life, actually, was undertaking that. Yeah, because then really, I feel like if you studied for the LSATs, like any other course that comes up in mm-hmm. like the business professional realm, you're like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> like, exactly. I have studied and passed the LSATs, like, bring it on. Um, mm-hmm. I know, like, when we get more into the professional stuff, you're working on something that is a big undertaking, but mm-hmm. it really doesn't seem as big of what you as as what you've already accomplished by studying yes. for the LSAT. Yeah, like it's it's just it sets me up so that whenever I go to take on a new course, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, nothing's worse than trying to uh, weed through five uh, answer multiple choice question where every answer could be right, but they changed <laughs> one word. <laughs> what is the most correct? I hate that when they ask that. Like, what is the most correct answer? It's just like, you mean yeah. they're all correct, but there's one that's more correct than the others? Yeah, like one thing with the LSAT, uh, just for anyone who's interested in taking it, is like quantity is an important thing in the most vague way. (laughs) So it's like equal to or less than or less than or more than less than. Like what does more than less than mean, guys? (laughs) And it means more than what the lesser number. That's what it means, right? It says it right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you have to choose that one. You can't say less than just less than because that's not right because there's one that's more than less than. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it really just – I don't know. Like I just remember my brain started to think that way. Like it, I was living and breathing it that I'm like, could anyone have a conversation with me? I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what the whole like LSATs are about. It's like it's really about critical thinking. Mm-hmm. and thinking outside the box, really. Yeah. 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 But on like a right now standpoint, um, I, I feel like I'm definitely more focused professionally at the moment. So mm-hmm. I'm taking on like small goals personally. Yes. So like, you know, I've talked about it before on a few episodes ago where like I've set a goal to read mm-hmm. one book a month, which is a big deal for me because – you know, I really didn't read for a while there. And then the other one that's more – I guess it's a fairly big one is just working on my relationship with finance. Yeah. Like my personal finances and to kind of get to a point where I'm just a bit smarter with it and setting goals about where I actually want – what I want my money to go to. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on right now. No, and that's great. Like, you know, I'm a huge advocate of financial literacy. So mm-hmm. that was definitely a big turning point for me because um, really I was clueless growing mm-hmm. up. Like I knew how to make money, but I didn't know what to do with it once I had it. Um, yep. So yeah, that would be one of my big personal developments in the past like probably seven years-ish. Mm-hmm. Um so I love that for, for anyone's personal development goals. And for me, I feel like I've had just like various moments. Like I'm the person who just randomly signs up for things and the people are like, yep. okay. <laughs> like, why are you doing why that? Why are you doing this? <laughs> and for me, I think I just, I love having a new experience. Even if it's something I will never do past that moment or follow mm-hmm. up on or continue with. I just like knowing that I've done it 
and knowing that I tried it. So I don't know, there's so many things <laughs> that, I've, <laughs> that I've tried. One big thing for me, um, as everyone knows, like we are horse girls over here. And I think you say that every episode. I probably do. But, you know, just in case someone's new. Hello, new people. Just a preface. Just a preface. (laughs) We have a pony club. Yes. Um, And so one big thing for me was a few years ago I had – I was riding a horse and it was just being retired. So I was kind of in between competing. Like I Mm – I didn't really have anything to horse show on. So I was really trying to connect back with why I love horses. And my um, knowledge as as a horsewoman was very important to me. And I just wanted to connect in a new way. So I had a friend who was at the barn and she was doing massages on on the horses. And I was just kind of sitting with her and – she was telling me all about it and I was just watching her work on the horses and I'm just watching their reaction to her. And you really watch, like I had her work on my, my old horse and his expression was just like kind of tense. And then you completely watched him relax and fall asleep. And I was just like, oh wow, like what a beautiful connection she's creating with them. And Mm -hmm. so I asked her some questions and she told me the name of the lady and and the course that she took to become a certified equine massage therapist. So Mm -hmm. uh, the course I did was like a week-long one and you got your textbook and it was like legit crash course. Like you had to read a chapter a night and then you were doing practical all day. And it was so amazing because it was a group of about – eight to 10 of us. And mm-hmm. a lot of people were just there because they're like, I just want to hang out with my horse and like, you know, give back to him or um, be able to help other people with their horses or like right down to, I want to understand the anatomy of a horse and how like their movement works. So it was really fun and just a great moment for me to, you know, again, expand my experience and knowledge. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when like, okay, this was back in the day when I I hustled everything. True. Um, <laughs> it was kind of my little side business for a bit. But the thing is like with that, it's very time consuming. Like one massage on a horse can take anywhere from like one to three hours, which like yeah. <laughs> I do not That's have that in my adult life. I wish I had three hours just to stand there and give my horse a massage, but sadly I do not. And so I just love it because with my horse, I can just, you know, do quick little work or like I notice like, oh, he's moving kind of stiff. Like, but if I, if I work this muscle, like that's going to give him some relief. So that's probably one of my favorite personal development things I've ever done. Again, not something I ever really did or wanted to pursue as a career, but it's one of those fun things of just like, hey, I know how to do this. Like it's, (laughs) I feel like I'm that weird person with like, you look at my resume and they're like, oh, she's like a horse massage therapist and this and this and this. <laughs> like, how odd, <laughs> you know, like just like a, a random basket of uh, knowledge over here. Um, so for other personal things besides the finance and that, I haven't done too many like courses, courses on mm-hmm. the personal side. Um, one thing I do want to do, and I don't know if I'm going to do it this year because I really want to do it in person, yeah. is – 
I want to get my certificate in being bilingual. Oh. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that to Rachel. Interesting. Um, Yeah, because I grew up in Quebec. So I was able to switch between speaking English and French when I was a kid very fluently. Um, English is my first language, so I am (laughs) a little bit better at that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when we moved, it was easy at first to be able to keep talking because my parents would talk to me a little bit in French um, because they really had to learn as well because they were also not French speakers. But as I got older and you're not immersed in the culture and surrounded by it, it, you lose your ability quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took French all through school, like in high school, in university. But the French that they teach in school, at least Mm -hmm. here, it's all about like being able to read and write and not so much converse. Um, So over the years, I've really lost my confidence in being able to speak French. Mm -hmm. And it's been a goal for mine for a while that I do want to like take a speaking course and just like have a group of people that I talk to in French Mm -hmm. so I can um, just get my confidence back and and into that culture because for so long growing up, like it was really part of my identity. And yeah, I feel like I've lost touch with that. So that is like my big personal development goal for probably the next like two to three years. Good for you. Thank you. So yeah, that's kind of what I got going on the personal side. Yeah. At some point, I want to learn Spanish because I find everywhere that I've been, being able to know Spanish is very beneficial. Yes. 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 So, you know, maybe we can work and be trilingual. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Actually, the other, the third language, I was going to learn a third one, is Italian. Interesting. Yeah, because it's not far off from French. So I feel like if I can get one down really well, it wouldn't be like too hard to get another mm-hmm. language. Like I feel like with languages, like once you have two, like your main one and, and a secondary language, like once mm-hmm. you start learning other languages, like there's a lot of patterns. Um, yeah. And I guess as English speakers, we know one of the hardest languages to learn how to speak. So that's, yeah. that's half the battle. Yeah. I'm going to, after this, I'm going to go start working on my boyfriend and be like, can we actually practice the French? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like my boyfriend went to French immersion for the first few years of school. So he knows like a bit of French and I'm hoping that it's something that like we could do together because mm-hmm. to have someone at home that we can speak and like we speak very broken French just as a joke sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it would be fun for us to do together and then like we could actually practice with each other because um, mm-hmm. that's the secret like to keep any language kind of front of mind and very well practiced like you need to be speaking it and reading and and all that kind of stuff true well for me in the past school was a thing that we all had to do which I guess I don't know is somewhere between professional and personal I feel like it becomes professional once you've gotten your undergrad and you're like going to school yeah for a professional purpose But another thing that I found super beneficial for me in the past, kind of toxic boss aside, is trying out different industries or different types of jobs is very important. (laughs) Yes, I definitely support that. Just because like it's one of those moments where you never know what you like unless you try it. Yeah. So if you have an interest in a certain type of industry or a certain type of job, give it a try. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I feel like our society in particular, they're Mm -hmm. literally like, go to elementary school, go to high school, go to post-secondary, go to work. 
There's no yes. time to actually discover, do I like this? Do I like that? You know, if this is something that you're going to do for, <laughs> I feel like we say a lot, you know, 40 hours of your week every week, you better enjoy doing it. So I think people should be out experimenting. And I know that um, internships are one way to do it, but there are lots of other ways because mm -hmm. you should be compensated <laughs> for any type of work that you do. Yes, you should. <laughs> yes, yes. We do not support the unpaid internship. Um, no. Yeah, like one of the best things I ever did was take a gap year between mm -hmm. um, high school and university because I had gotten into um, a university for like science uh, and, and kinesiology, I believe. And then at the end of the day, I was just like, I don't like science. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Why did I apply for this? Yeah, I'm like, I come from a family of business people and I've always loved business. So like, I should probably go do that instead. So I mm -hmm. spent a year working for a real estate developer. And honestly, having that on my resume has opened more doors for me than mm -hmm. any university education ever will. Yes. Especially when it was early on in my working life. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So right now, on a smaller scale, I'm doing a class through work, which is planning with trusts. Mm -hmm. So like family Fun trusts, content. Et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Fun content. I ha actually, it's actually quite interesting once you get into it because there's so many different types of trusts that I had no idea about. Just no clue. Mm -hmm. No clue. It's very interesting. I only knew about one and then I was like, wow, there's like 30. <laughs> there's not that many, I don't think, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. There's all types. <laughs> yes. So that's been really good is the company that I'm part of. They really promote professional development. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they support you in that. And then on top of that, I am also taking on or I'm thinking of it. I don't I'm in this weird place right now where I'm like I just don't have exactly the time to like be like okay, let's start this process. But I did a lot of research starting in October into doing the CPA designation. And it was really interesting cuz I kind of so in my family, um my mother went the accounting route right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's a badass woman. Yes, she and is. I was interested in what she did, but I didn't want to go the traditional accounting firm route mm -hmm. to go get that designation. And that was the only knowledge I had of it was yeah. that you had to do it that way. Yeah. You didn't know that there were other ways to, to do it. No. So I kind of turned away from it because I just I don't think I would excel in an environment like that. Like I'm sure I could make it work, but I'm not sure that I would be the person that I want to be mm -hmm. in that play in that environment. But recently through work, I found out that they have an experience verification route where, you know, I work in a finance company, so very easily I could hit those core competencies that they need in order to prove that I have enough experience. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm starting to pursue that because now it's an option where I can do it from the company that I already work for. And yeah, it's going to be about three plus years of my life, but looking forward to that. And at some point, I still haven't turned away from the CFP. 
Yeah, like um, two very good designations. Now, for the CPA, break that one down for us a little bit. Do you have to do courses like on top of that or is it more an experience-based certification based on like just time in the industry? So it's both. So kind of think of it like a master's program. Okay. So what that you can do through work and you don't have to do it through university. So how it is is that you have to have I can't I can't remember the exact amount of months right now, but it usually winds up to about three years of practical experience where you need to gain exposure to a variety of different uh, competencies that they look for mm-hmm. in future CPAs. So there's like financial reporting, tax planning, uh, audit and assurance, etc. And then as well, there's the whole educational side. And I think it's about seven courses, six or seven courses in a final exam So a lot. that you have to do. It's a lot. And I also have to do, because uh, I did a finance degree, not an accounting degree. So I have to do about five or six prerequisite courses that if I had done accounting in school, I would have gotten, but I took finance, so I didn't. So it's going to be a lot. Wow, good for you, girl. <laughs> yeah. Go you. But yeah, I get to do some prerequisites about financial reporting and <laughs> intermediate management accounting. I can't wait. <laughs> All sounds thrilling. Just thrilling. It, yes. And then um, back to kind of day-to-day stuff is I've also been working on uh, my soft skills lately because I finally had my first like quarterly review at – our company, because mm-hmm. I've uh, never worked somewhere where they gave us those before. <laughs> How and are you feeling? Do you, are you doing okay? <laughs> yes. What a concept. What a concept. And I think something that kind of came out of that is confidence, is just working through what I had experienced before and, you know, owning my craft in a way. So I've been trying to, like, approach things with more confidence. So, like, for instance, today, this was a big day for me, but I, like, led – my first meeting with a client mm-hmm. where like it was kind of my meeting and I was like, wow, this is cool. This is a cool experience. <laughs> the and power. Also, <laughs> the power. I have so much power. And then also just um, gaining the confidence that when I see a task that needs to be done, that I know what needs to be done, not going to ask permission or ask for clear like assurance that what I'm doing is right more trusting my own knowledge. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And the CFP path, that's kind of like similar but not as long, is it? Like I know there's a lot of courses to it because I've looked at it as well. Um, Um, Similar to what? Like the CPA. Oh, oh, the CFP? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know what I called it. So, yes, it's about similar. I think it's two years of experience. And depending on how you do it, it can impact the number of courses that you do. Yeah. So, like, because since you're kind of through, like, the CSE, you've done, like, your CSE course and stuff, there is a way to do it through them where I think it's, like, six courses. Yeah, I think it was a little bit more fast-tracked if you went through, like, the Canadian security side. Yes, where if you did it through, like, I think it's, like, the Institute of Advanced Financial Planning or something – it's um, – I think it's like four, but they're very intense. Like you don't take multiple at the same time. Yeah. 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 So It's all fun stuff, people. It's all fun <laughs> stuff. That might be like a future thing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Sorry to any of our listeners that are not finance people, but 
this is what you get. (laughs) This is what we do all day. (laughs) I just love it. I love financial statements. Okay, this turn. is why people are like, Laura, why don't you read more challenging books? I'm like, it's because I do this all day. I look at financial statements and I have to understand them. <laughs> I just want to read a smutty romance. Let I me know. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn. My turn? Okay. Your turn. All right. Uh, so I, w- I was kind of thinking about the professional development side and I feel like – I might have a little bit more going on on this side. And a lot of it, like at the end of the day, is still personal. And that's one thing I love about the company that we work for. You know, they they support you on the professional development side, but they also have the point of view of just like, you know, if you worked anywhere, this would be helpful to you. It's not just like specific to only the company. Yes. Which I think is very important when it comes to taking professional courses. You know, some people... You might have to take like an internal course within the company that you're working for, mm-hmm. but uh, I think everyone should always make sure that they document these things um, mm-hmm. and different trainings, like even if it's like a conflict of interest training mm-hmm. or security training, like I don't, I don't know, whatever type of little training mm-hmm. or conference that you do, because that is still experience and wherever you go, that's relatable. You know, um, we love transferable skills. Yeah, it's we all transferable, transferable skills. skills. So that is why I always like try to keep a record of things that I've done. And when I was thinking about it today for for this episode, um, the first thing professionally development that comes into my mind is the co op I did in high school. We're going way back. Yeah, we're going way back, guys. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the thing is, like, when you get to grade twelve. I think you have the option of a spare in your semester. And I actually elected not to have a spare, but instead Mm -hmm. to do a professional co-op. And a lot of times, like when people have the co-ops, especially like from a small town, like that's in the trades or um, like veterinary hospital work, I actually co-opt with a chamber of commerce. This was my aptitude for business things at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was so beneficial for me because I actually got to work in an office uh, five days a week. And it would just be like for a morning or an afternoon, depending on the week. Mm -hmm. And I got to learn so much about how to like conduct myself in a professional setting, how to be in charge of projects. And I actually like produced a lot of things for different companies. So that was something that was on my resume as a highlight for a very long time when I was younger mm-hmm. because so many people were like, oh, wow, like you were 16, 17 years old working in like an actual office. So don't take those things lightly. Now, the only drawback to that was because I was doing a co-op, I was short a university college credit. Like I had full credits to graduate, but in um, in Ontario, you have to have like so many university credits to be able to go to university. Mm -hmm. So that comes to my second thing that I had to do was (laughs) post high school um, in my gap year, I actually took a course and I think it was called the ILC. It was like long distance Mm -hmm. education. Um, Okay. And I took a university level course through that just so I could get like the 20 credits. I don't, don't quote me on this guys. Um, However many credits I needed. X amount of credits. Yeah. The X amount of credits that I needed of university level to apply to university, I took this course. And that was the first thing I'd ever done as a self-study. And of course, you know, Mm -hmm. 
being, you know, my young teenage self, I pushed it off and pushed it off. And then of course, you know, it's like two months before I have to finish it. And I was working on it. I had a computer crash and blow up. Oh, no. uh, and I had to restart the whole course again. And this is back when like it was just a paper textbook. So I actually had to write the assignments and submit them. Um, no. You didn't submit them online. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. But that pressure, I actually ended up getting a 98 in the course. Amazing. Yeah. So that was like my first hint of like success and being able to do something for myself because mm-hmm. um, like I've always been a good student, but like I was never straight A's. I never did homework a day in my life. Like I, I was too busy living. You you really never did. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, I got good grades. Like I had my choice of schools. It was cool. So I never really stressed about that kind of stuff. And it was when I was given something hard that I knew nothing about where I excelled because <laughs> I was like, wow, I really need to do this work. Like I need to understand it. And I've been put in that situation a few times now that um, you should never be afraid of doing something difficult, you know, very much in your situation, Rachel, with the LSATs, Mm -hmm. because you never know what you're capable of. And I find when you do those harder things or more challenging things, like you actually do much better because you don't take it for granted. And usually if you're doing it, like you really want it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was like kind of my first taste of professional development, and that's in the school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like conferences are amazing and just kind of networking and learning how to network is huge. Um, my business school was all about that and would throw like different networking evenings just so students could learn how to do it. So if you're in school right now, like definitely participate in those kinds of events if you can. Um because you never know who you're going to meet there and it could very well lead to a job. Um, and then going back to like my little bag of tricks of certifications I have, I thought of one today and I totally <laughs> forgot I had it. Um, so fun fact, guys, I am a licensed pesticide safety um, applicator. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like, what? I to explain this. Okay. So – Fun story, guys. Um, My family business is in the agriculture sector, and Mm -hmm. I had nothing to do in the agriculture sector, okay, guys? Like, I I worked in the office. I did sales and marketing. Um, Yes. But it came around time that uh, if you are someone who sprays pesticides or works with chemicals, you have to have a license to do that. Um, And Mm -hmm. the people that we had – their licenses were expiring and they no. needed someone to administer the course in order to renew their licenses. Oh my God. So instead of sending someone to the course who knows what they're doing, they yep. send me. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So their licenses were expiring in a month and the course exam I had to go to was two weeks from the day I got oh the my textbook. God. And this textbook was thick. I did nothing but read this textbook. And I was terrified <laughs> because like I knew nothing about chemicals. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. But like I can read. So I'll figure it out. People, I got a 99.5 on that exam. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> so That's never so underestimate what you can do. But not only did I have to. So that was just my exam to become a licensed um, controller of of chemicals, of agriculture chemicals. 
I also had to then take a secondary course and test to be able to teach people (laughs) the safety of applying pesticides. Um, So that was the following week. I am now like one week out from these licenses expiring and it's like the springtime. So they have to start. Uh, Yeah. So within three weeks, I became a licensed uh, pesticide applicator and teacher. Wow. (laughs) So good for you. Fun fact. Fun fact about me. If anyone needs their their farmers retrained, give me a call. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. So that's my funny story on professional development (laughs) of random things. Um, Thank God the company paid for that one because I certainly wasn't paying for it myself. No. And that is the important thing. It's always nice when you have a company that's going to back you up in your education. Yes, it is. Yes. But okay, getting to the more current things. As a lot of our listeners know, I took the Canadian securities course going to be almost two years ago now. Mm -hmm. And that started out, this is is that fine line where it was a personal development goal, but also Mm -hmm. a professional because I was very unhappy in my work and I knew I wanted to work in finance. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was something that I had to do in order to break into the industry. Yes. And this was no like course, like not not as intense as like taking the LSATs, but it was like a two-port course with two exams and you had to get a minimum grade of a 60 mm-hmm. uh, to pass. And a lot of mm-hmm. people, like you get three tries at it and a lot of people fail mm-hmm. their first time. And for me, like the stakes were so high because I was so unhappy in mm-hmm. my work. Like there was no option. Like I yeah. had to to pass it. Um, so that was like a really big undertaking for me. And I'm so glad that I did it because even um, I, I kind of had my new job and there was a salary there in the contract that was without that course mm-hmm. and a salary with that course. Yeah. Um, so before I even started my job, I got uh, a raise, so to say, mm-hmm. because I had mm-hmm. passed the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's so many avenues that that would be the platform for. Yeah. And in my role, I'm very much like compliance and back office operations. Mm-hmm. So last summer, I took the next level course on the compliance side of my education because it were kind of like patchworking a certificate together for me to be applicable for yeah. my role just because it is a little bit more um, boutique and custom. Like, I don't know how to best describe that. We're just making it up as yeah, we go. Yeah, we're just making it up as, as we go. We're like, that seems applicable. Laura, take that course. Um, yep. So I took that course and and passed that one. What and was yeah, it? That was the um, Policies and Conduct Handbook course. I probably have that name wrong. Right. But, um, that was Pro- learning. Policies and Procedures? Policies and Procedures. I think that was it. Yeah. So yeah. that was on all the security regulation in Ontario and Canada that mm-hmm. I had to learn for my job. And now I'm on my third course, which is the Investment Dealers Compliance course. Uh, oh boy! Oh yeah, she's she's a fun one. This one has she a heavy. Oh, this one has a textbook, and then the second part is all like situation based. So, oh, like that hurts. It's a big one. Um, but at the end of it, I'm going to have my certificate in Investment Dealer Compliance. So, yes. to my resume and my professional side, like. That is very great. You know, like um, mm-hmm. I can have a salary benefit to that, but also just 
an education of where I can do my job better. And mm-hmm. it's also transferable. Um, not that I have any plans of leaving my company, but you know, that's something that just in me. case. Just in case, you know? That's something in that, case something explodes. Oh, who knows? Um, but that's something that's gonna follow me around. So that's where like I'm always really happy to do professional stuff, especially because like when you have a company that will help pay the bill on mm-hmm. it, like that is so important. And like you'd be crazy not to take courses because the education is yours. Like even if you leave mm-hmm. that company, um, they can't take that course or that education away from you. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, fill your pockets, people, if you can on the professional side. Indeed. Yes. That's how I ended up with a pesticide course. <laughs> that is. I haven't needed to use it yet, but you never know. You never know. You, it could come up. in handy if you ever needed to side hustle again. If I need a side hustle, I'm going to be teaching people the safety mechanisms of pesticide. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So shall we do some quick fire uh, pros and cons of it all? Because I I have one that I kind of wrote in a funny way that I wanted to share. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you have a pro or a con first? Uh, It's both. Okay. It has the possibility to make you lots more money, but it also costs a lot of money. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that one up because especially on the personal side or in our situation where we were trying to better our financial opportunities, mm-hmm. it comes with a cost. Yeah. Especially like when tying it back to the LSAT where mm-hmm. other than the possibility of – not the guarantee, the possibility of getting into law school, there is no benefit to the LSAT like at all. It doesn't really do anything for you. And like I'm pretty sure I spent $2,000 on that entire thing when I did not have $2,000 to spend. Yeah, like my um, Canadian securities course was, I think, around fifteen to sixteen hundred dollars, and it's not like mm-hmm. I had this money laying around. But I was just like, nope, it's going to come back to me. I know this money's yep. going to come back to me if I put it out there. And I've never, like, yes, it had to go on my credit card, and it probably sat on there for a few months. But in the long term, it has opened so many more doors. And this is what kind of drives me crazy. And we're going to try not to go into the whole broken system of of university and college. Um, we can't. We can't do that today. No, but it's already been 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I will be super candid and say that the professional courses that I have done have earned me more money than mm-hmm. my university degree. And I, oh, have, a, I have a double major and a minor. <laughs> um, yeah. And it only ever got me a starting wage. Yes, and I'm still offended by the fact that like university does not prepare you by for the sheer amount of professional development continuing education you actually have to do in order to climb that ladder. Like they don't talk about that at all. Yeah, like you literally climb the ladder based on experience and with the help of um professional certifications. Mm-hmm. Not not degrees. <laughs> Not and they they don't tell you that like they no. they don't tell you that at all no so no because I was just like I I never really wanted to go get my master's like my MBA but it was in the back of my mind and I'm so mm-hmm. glad that I didn't take that route because I don't think I would be as far ahead as I am now even with all of my setbacks of life I think I would still be like after a master's degree at like ground zero <laughs> for for salary. 
with sixty thousand dollars in even debt, just from that debt. degree. Even more debt. Yeah. Just from that degree. Yeah. Just for the tuition, not yeah. even for the living expenses of that year that you're doing it. No, no, not even the expenses of it. Yeah. I remember one time I because I had looked into it myself because I was going back and forth between the CPA and the MBA. And I ran the numbers and I was just like, huh, about 60,000 versus 10. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah. And 10 so, being able to stay in your current job as well. And make money. And make money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And have support. So yeah, that was one thing um, while we're talking about this that of what turned me off of law school actually is the fact that you can't work when you're in law school. In your first year, you're, I'm pretty sure you're actually not allowed to, which is like, okay. But the thing is, is that a lot of the time, a lot of the time you can't test out if you like working in law until you're mm -hmm. already in law school. Yeah. So I was staring down because I had started working at our company at this time and I was just like, okay, I can leave this right now and go get like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and not be able to work at all. And I might not even like it. Yeah. Like that's the huge risk of school and why we're both such advocates of try everything because you don't want to be putting all this time into school and mm -hmm. then not even like the career path that it takes you to. I think that's super important for youth today because it's different from when our parents went to school. You know, yeah. first of all, they didn't even have to. And if you did, like you you walked in, like the likelihood of you walking into a job that could last your whole career, your whole working mm -hmm. life was much higher than it is now where like yeah. as university and college students, like, okay, don't, don't get triggered anyone, but like we're a dime a dozen, you know? We really are. There's so like they're pumping so many people through for not a lot of jobs, and I just think that it's like I know people and friends who never went the school route, and they mm -hmm. are very successful in what they do because they have the yeah. experience and they have those professional courses behind them. So and they've got like five years on us, yeah, of career growth. Oh God, they have families and own houses. <laughs> I don't <laughs> – we won't go there tonight. We won't go there tonight, friends. We won't go there tonight. Now, this is kind of a hot take, and I'm, I'm sure this needs to be a separate episode, but like would you send your kid beyond post-secondary – like, sorry, beyond secondary school to post-secondary education? Ooh. Ooh. That's the question. See, I think that um, when I look at myself – I would say that my regret when it comes to school is the fact that I think I went too early. Okay. So I wouldn't say that I wouldn't send my kid or support my kid with it, but I would encourage them to take, like, honestly, go to school maybe when they're 22. Yeah. Like, to give it a bit of time and to experience stuff, like, try out different industries, get some professional experience, because, like, you have no idea what you want to do. No, when you're not, 18. At, not at 17 and 18 years old when, when kids are making these life-changing decisions and taking yes. on loans that they don't understand. Yes, and they're also in such an emotionally vulnerable state where even though they're half aware of the fact that they are paying a lot of money for un a university education, they're more focused on the guy down there 
down the hall on their res floor who they think is cute. Yeah. You know, like their brains, I just found that at least for me, like my brain wasn't at a point where I was focused enough on what that education actually meant mm-hmm. that I I would have, you know, I've definitely been like, okay, I still like finance, so I probably would have gone to school because there is a benefit in having that degree to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. But I would I wouldn't discourage them from it, but I'm not going to encourage them to go right out of high school. And I would probably like not like I would probably be the opposite. Like I would be like, I don't think you should go. Yeah, I feel the same. Like I think I would definitely encourage a gap year. I kind of love your idea of being like in your 20s when you go like try things out and really see if you like it because yeah like I I kind of feel the same as you like I'm glad I took business I don't have any regrets on that mm-hmm. um but do I also think I could have achieved the same thing by doing a cheaper college degree yes I do mm-hmm. I would 100% recommend my child go to college first over university yeah like and that's where I love like you can try some courses out and just see, is that for you? Where in university, it's kind of like they just dump everything on top of you and you're like, okay, here's your life now. Um, yes. And I think that's why you see such high dropout rates or people graduating, like continuing on with their degree, but not working in that field. So yeah, like I, I strongly encourage, you know, get some experience and and grow up a little bit before you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I would definitely support my child if they wanted to go to school but again like like you encourage take some time and mm-hmm. i i would how do i word this um i would make sure that they are aware of like the degree that they want to pursue you know mm-hmm. really like really do think about like what what do you want to get out of it like is there a viable career after this or are you just going to go um yes like the one thing I love school was was the social life because that's really where I learned a lot um oh so I when, think that school is great for personal development yeah like personal development I loved it like I I grew up so much but on the professional side eh, I think I could have like stuck it out and took in a taken a few courses and turned out just fine you know did some homework. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that says a lot about our education system. Like you get no value for it anymore. No. No. And that was the thing is like I I don't know. Like I don't see how – because I don't think that the format that larger universities – like you and I went to fairly big universities mm-hmm. where the course is you have two exams and a final exam, maybe one assignment. Like I don't learn that way and I don't think a lot of people do because it's not keeping you on track No, for your learning. Like because that's the thing is you're so overloaded when you're there with so much different coursework and not coursework in the way where you're actually sitting down trying to apply your knowledge to an essay or a piece of homework. You're just living in panic mode going from exam to exam, memorize and dump. Yes. And I don't think that that's effective. I think that when university would become effective again is if it transitioned to a more assignment-based mm-hmm. program with an exam at the end like high school is. And you know what? I actually learned quite a lot in high school. I'm not sure how useful any of it was, but I did learn. Yeah, I love that you kind of brought up that learning style because if you were to look 
at my um, professional textbooks that I have from my past three mm-hmm. courses and even mm-hmm. uh, my massage therapy course that I took, uh, the textbook that, that came with that, um, you will see in the margins me applying real life experience that I have in my job to mm-hmm. situations because that is how I learn. I learn by doing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a very visual learner. Being talked at and only reading a textbook, I don't retain a lot. Like, yeah, I, I have to do it a couple of times to actually get the message and have it sink in. But if I can apply it to something that I have done and teach that to someone, I will never forget it. Like, it just yes. becomes me. Um, so that's what I love about self-study courses is especially when you have the experience alongside of it, they're just so much more beneficial and you actually feel like you're you're walking away with new knowledge instead of just regurgitating things that you're taught. Well, even like honestly not even taught. It's just you read the lecture. Yeah, you read the lecture and then you read the textbook and the prof probably just repeated what's in the textbook, right? Like you don't actually understand yeah. like what it's for. No, the textbook doesn't even understand what it's for. No, it's just words. Yep. Yeah. So those are kind of my hot takes on continuing education. Like yeah. super supportive of it, even if it's just for fun and it makes no sense to your professional career. Who cares? If you have an interest in it, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, the money will come back to you. Uh, especially Mm -hmm. for the professional side. And if your company um, or employer is willing to help, do it, right? Like just just go for it. Who cares? Um, If they're footing the bill, take as many courses as you can. And then on the personal side, I think if it just – if it speaks to you and it feels right, again, don't worry about the financial cost, especially like if you can't afford it or – over time, like you're working towards being able to do it, that is just such good development for your for yourself. Investing in yourself is key. Yes. Yes. We like investing in financial products, but we also like investing in, in ourselves. ourselves. In ourselves. <laughs> all day, every day. Any parting thoughts, Rachel? Did we get it all out? Uh, I feel like we're going to have an episode on the education system, which is going to be I know. super hot. Super hot. I know. I feel like that's when we have to get a guest for. So I'm manifesting that is we'll get a good guest for that. Ooh, that is a good idea. If anyone wants yeah. to go like off on the education system with us, mm-hmm. I mean, or if you're really for the education system, that would be fun too. That would be fun. Just confuse us. Confuse our thoughts. <laughs> Take us to task. Give us <laughs> give us a really compelling counter argument. <laughs> yes, of why everyone should go to university and college. Um Yes. We will save that for another day though, friends. So if you are not following us on Instagram yet, definitely check us out. We've been posting. Um, we promise. We are Laura making an effort. Posting. Hey, you know what? I've been on a streak. I just have to make sure you I'm not been. scrolling. I've been I had a couple nights where I scrolled for a couple hours, so I had to take the app back off my phone. Um mm-hmm. But I have been good about posting on the Instagram. So definitely follow our Instagram. It's tea with Laura and Rachel. And then our email is down in the show notes. If you want to come on the show or you have questions for us or want to continue the discussion further, we love talking to you guys. And if you feel called to, definitely drop a five-star review and share this episode and show with someone you feel who would connect with it. You got it. 
That's it. Covered everything. We're good. Covered everything. (laughs) Got the check marks. All right, everyone. Live like tea. Live like tea.